Hey everybody, I hope you had just a fantastic Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? All right, I mean, golly, God is good and, um, you know, it's good to sometimes stop and pause and just not go through the motions of life, but to reflect um, about how good God is. And so I hope you had a chance to do that this week. With Thanksgiving behind us, we are now in full-blown Christmas music mode, right? Um, for those of you that have been listening since early December and people have been judging you because they have that after Thanksgiving rule, we're all free now. We can do whatever we want. We can listen to as much Mariah Carey as we want and no judgment, all that good stuff. So uh, next week we begin as a church um, a great way of celebrating Christmas. We do a thing we started for the first time last year uh, called Advent that a lot of churches celebrate and honor the Lord through. And, and I'm excited about it because it is a great way for us to bring greater focus to this season and to Christ and him being the center of this, um, of this amazing part of the year in which we get to uh, celebrate his coming into the world. And so that starts next week. And one other note on Christmas, uh, if you're wondering, do we have any special schedules or anything like that that we're doing this year? Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, and so we are actually just doing our normal services at 9, 30, and 11 on Sunday morning on Christmas Eve. And so Nothing out of the norm in terms of a scheduling uh, sort of thing. I know some of you may be curious about that. We've had some people ask, so I just thought I'd let everybody know. Uh, but let's get to today. We are in week number eight uh, of this Ephesians series. We've been walking through uh, this book that Paul, or this letter that Paul writes that we now see as a letter, not just from Paul to the Ephesians, but a letter from God to us. And uh, it's, man, it's chocked full of so many amazing things. And we or in the middle of this prayer, or actually at the end of this prayer that Paul starts in the middle of chapter 3. If you were with us last week, we started in verse 14. He talks about he wants to give us inner strength. He wants us to be rooted in his love. And then we get to these powerful verses in verses uh, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, in which Paul is ending this prayer with this huge crescendo, if you will. So we're going to get into it. Y'all ready? All right. Ephesians 3, 20. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So to be clear, the him is God, okay? To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him, to God, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. So this is this amazing ending to this prayer, uh, to him who is able to do immeasurably more. There's an, a, the, the, the message version says that God can do more than we ask, guess, or request in our wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. This is, this is the verse that we're talking about where he's saying, I can do more than you can even ask for. I can do more than you can imagine. And so there's this, all of a sudden we're all going, man, what's my wish list, Right? What, what, could, what could God do for me is almost where we get to. So I have a couple questions for us that we're going to get started with. I'm going to throw them on screen, and these are going to shape kind of what we talk about today. First of all, do I believe that God is as powerful as Ephesians, as Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says? Do I believe that God is that powerful? Yes. This is a question that you have. Yes. Good. And do, and if I believe that, does my life reflect it? So I want to explore these questions and explore our hearts with this passage. Um, we're just going to kind of walk through it. Look at the first thing Paul says when he's describing the power of God. He says, now to him who is able to do. Now to him who is able to do. 
Paul begins this verse with a very simple statement that we have a God who does things. God does a lot of things. He's doing things right now in this moment. He's doing things all around us. Would you agree? Paul is reminding us that God is alive and he's active. And it's simple. But if God is a God who does things, what are the kind of things that he can do? So this is where we get into this next portion where he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Paul shows us that God is able to do immeasurably more, abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Now, if we start to think about that and start to try and wrap our minds around it, it's very difficult. The Greek word for immeasurably more, for the, for the Greek description of this, it means a superabundance and quantity and quality. So this is, when I think about a superabundance of quantity and quality, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like, when I'm eating shrimp, right? I want my shrimp to be quality because we all know they have to be or there's serious problems, right? And I want my shrimp to come in quantity. I don't want shrimp, I want shrimps with an S. Are you with me? And so there's this, there's this picture that Paul, I'm just reading the Bible, just trying to give us life, right? But perhaps a more descriptive way to say this is this. Now to him who's able to do far more super abundantly in quantity or quality than all we have, all we can ask or imagine. This is what he's saying. So why does Paul use this over-the-top sort of hyper-descriptive language? What is he trying to get at? Have you ever tried to describe something that's indescribable? You know what I mean? This thing that's beyond words, you can't quite find the word, you're like, I just had this amazing meal last night, it was unbelievable, it was so incredible, and you're telling your friend, you're like, you can't, I cannot tell you how beyond words this meal was. It was just sublime, it was magnifique, it was perfect, it was, it was whatever, and you start trying to think of all these words that you can't use to describe, and they're like, well, I'm so happy for you, I had like half a dozen mini corn dogs, whatever, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they don't care about your indescribable experience because they haven't experienced it, right? So this is what... Paul is trying to do. He's trying to talk about the power that God has and what he's able to do. And, and then he goes on and he says this. He says, he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. So here's where this verse takes a little bit of a turn that a lot of people don't talk about. I mean, I've heard this verse used many times and taught many times, and I've probably said it in this way at times in which God will give you more than you even imagine, more than you ask. God will give you the things that you need and want. And there's this sort of thing, like, underlying sort of theology behind this verse, like, do you have dreams? Do you have hopes and wishes for your life? Do you have aspirations? There's like this sort of theological undertone to this, like, God has the power to make them all come true. And some, there's... There's shreds of truth. There's shreds of lies in that. We pray, God, you know, give me, give me the things I want. God, give me the job I need. God, get me into the college that I want to get into. God, God we, we take care of these needs that I have. And we have all these things that we start piling up and saying, God, I'm allowed to ask and, I'm allowed, and you're going to give me more than I imagine. And, and we pray so many things that are actually more for our, our pleasure and our glory. We pray for success, we pray for funny, uh, favor and money, and, and we can easily use this verse to be a verse that affirms that God is going to, in essence, be our answer man, be our genie in a bottle, so to speak. 
And I think a lot of us, even though we would never use that language, we sort of approach God in this way, and we look at this verse, and we allow that to affirm this, this theology about God. That we can use this verse to make Jesus what we want him to be, and make God what he want him to be. But what is Paul saying here? He will do more than we ask or imagine for his glory. Let me ask you, when's the last time you sat around imagining Praying, journaling, whatever it is you do when you're thinking. Because it says, more than you can imagine. Another, verse, another version says, think. So when you're thinking and when you're imagining and you're praying, when's the last time you sat down and went, God, I'm going to ask you to do some things that are for the glory of your church and for Jesus Christ. And, and I'm going to ask some things that are huge and big and bold, and I'm trusting that you're going to do more than even I ask for your glory. When's the last time? And, and here's what I know is, here's what I know is that most of us don't sit around and think like that. Most of us don't actually sit around and think. We may have hopes that God will use us. God, please use me for your sake in this world. But we, do we sit and do we dream and do we imagine God using us for his glory, for the glory of his church, for the glory of Jesus Christ, for generations and generations, by the way. Because it almost sounds like you're saying, then, hey, God, you know, Lord, um, I want to make history. Yes, that's what you're saying. Oh, Father, uh, would you help me to change cities? Yes, that's, that's what Paul's getting at here. God, will you put my life smack dab in the middle of an unexplainable existence for your glory? Yeah, that's what he's saying he can do. So the reason that we don't pray like this, or I think think like this, is because deep down inside, a lot of us struggle to believe that Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is actually for us and for our lives. Let me explain this. A lot of us believe God but we struggle to believe this for us. We, we struggle to believe that, that God could use us powerfully to do the things. We give all the credit to God. Let me, let me explain. If I asked you right now, do you think God could bring revival to your neighborhood? Everyone in here would say, yes, yes, of course he could. And then I would say, do you believe God would use you to bring revival to your neighborhood? And then everybody's like, oh, I would like to think so. I don't know. Do you believe God could, could reach your whole office, your whole workplace, whatever it is, that it could be revival. Yes, of course I believe God could do that. Do you believe God could use you to be the one to do that? And even though we want to say yes, there's this thing inside of us that goes, I, I, I don't know. Doubts start to creep in at that point because we struggle to imagine and believe that God can do great things through us. And because we struggle to believe this, we don't ask them. Think about it. Have you ever asked God to use you to see dozens of people come to know Christ in a year? You ever asked God to do that? Have you ever asked God to, raise, to use you to raise up your children to change the world? Have you ever asked God to bring revival to your workplace or to your neighborhood? Have you ever asked God to use you 
We've asked God to do things. Have we ever asked God to use you? To, if maybe you lead a, have a business, to use your business to become a platform for Jesus, not just to be a place that loves Jesus, but to become a platform for Jesus, to shine light throughout the whole city, maybe even beyond, to the whole world. Have you ever asked God to, to use you to end poverty for dozens of people in your city? You see what I'm saying? Like we don't, we don't sit and think and imagine and dream and request for things for his glory. We, re, we think and we dream when we ask for things for our pleasure and our glory. Are you with me? We don't, we don't think, how can I be a part of this promise that we are praying and that we believe about God? Because apparently we believe in the power of God, but we just don't believe in the power of God through us. And I wonder how often God hears our prayers and the stuff we ask for and he thinks, when are they gonna ask and pray for things that are for my glory? We pray, will he bless us? Will he keep us safe? Will he give us a great day? And you know what? He'll do all those things. He'll give you a great day. He'll bless you. He'll take care of you. But I wonder how often he hears those, even in the needs. Oh, yeah, I'll give you the job you're asking for. I'll meet that need that you have. But I wonder if he hears those prayers. And I don't know how God thinks, but I just, if I were him, it seems like I would be thinking they're just praying too small. And I believe, I believe the reason we don't ask him is because we struggle to believe this. We believe it, but yet we struggle to believe. If you're a Christian in here, I, I want to read a story to you because I think we can all relate to this idea that we believe, yet we struggle to believe. Does that even make sense? Okay. This is in Mark 9. Jesus was out with his disciples. They're doing ministry. And they come across a man and his son and the father says this, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And Jesus says, You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. And then listen to what he says. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. And then Jesus says, if you can, question mark. Everything is possible for one who believes. And then get this line. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus then goes on and he, he heals the boy and casts the demon out and all that good stuff. But I wonder how much need this. I love what the Father says because it feels so real to me. I believe God, but help me with my unbelief. I wonder how many of us need this to be our prayer today. God, I believe you have the power to do immeasurably more than I will ever ask 
or imagine, but I'm struggling to believe that it's true for me, true in me, true through me. So, do, so would you help me with my unbelief? Are you guys willing to pray a prayer like that? I, to me, that's even a scary prayer. That I'm like, okay, I'm leaving this comfort zone of just making God my answer man and my, my happy pill and my genie in a bottle. I'm moving away from God helping me with my life and I'm letting God take my life and use it for his glory. That is a whole nother kind of life. Are you with me? That is a whole nother kind of life. Because then we're going to stay in, we need to start praying, God, I, I believe you can help me lead five of my friends to Jesus, but would you help me with my unbelief that you'll do it through me? God, I believe, I believe that you can, you can take my business and you can make it successful and you can do things that really help people in their life, but would you help me believe that you can use my business to actually change a city for better for your sake and for your glory? God, I see poverty all around me and I know that you care about it and I know you have the power to do something about it, but would you help me believe that you could use me to actually make a dent in poverty in, my, in our city? God, I see my coworkers and my classmates and I, and I believe that, that you could lead them to come to Jesus in droves, but would you help me with my unbelief that you would actually use me to be the catalyst for that? God, I believe that you want to change my family for the better and you want to reconcile the pain and the hurt that's in it, but would you help me with my unbelief that I'm actually the one to be the catalyst for that change in my family? Do you understand? Like, we believe God can do anything, but we hope he does it disassociated from us and we just go, wow, do you see God? Well, who do you think God uses to bring about his glory? His church, his people, and he's looking for people to say, I believe that God will do immeasurably more than I ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within me so that I can give glory to the church and to Jesus Christ for generations and generations to come. Hallelujah, amen, right? So here's what I believe. I, I just believe we shouldn't be shocked whenever we start praying prayers like, God, uh, help me with my unbelief in reaching my friends or reaching my office or help me in my unbelief that I can actually make a difference in this world like helping the poor or helping those in need and, and, and to, to know that we shouldn't be shocked when God starts to answer those prayers. You know, writing this message this past week, I couldn't help but think about our journey as a church and... Our life, Christy and I, and my family's life, um, over the last number of years, and, and and I always struggle to go like, how much do I talk about our story? Because there's a lot of stories in here that matter, and I was thinking about, well, this isn't my story. This is kind of our story and what God's been doing in this church. And um, you know, the two years prior to starting OKC Community Church, I told you a few weeks ago that OKC Community turns five this this month, and uh, sort of five, sort of five since we started. Anyway, um, anyway five years this month, and uh, the two years prior to starting OKC, OKC Community Church, we were, Christy and I were in this season of like, we knew God wanted to do something. We were praying about our life. We were praying about changes. We were dreaming about the next season of life. I don't know if you've ever been in this season where you're like, God, I'm just open to whatever it is. But there was a season where like, God, we believe in you to do great things, but yet we weren't quite sure if we believed in everything 
that might be for us. Because when it came, anytime the idea of starting a new church came up, I would say, oh yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't believe that's what we're supposed to do. I don't believe that. I don't believe that I'm wired to do that. I don't believe, I don't even know if a new church is needed. I don't feel like I have the personality or the gifts to start a new church. I mean, who am I in that? And Maybe you've never said that, right? When it comes to starting a new church, maybe you're like, I never wanted to start a new church. That's okay. But have you said it in other things? I, uh, I mean, it doesn't even have to, it could be anything. It could be starting a, you know, chasing a dream. It could be a job you want, or it could even be leading a small group, and you're like, I, I don't know if that's for me. I don't have the personality. I'm not wired to do that. I don't have the gifts. You ever been there? Anyway, for me, church planning seemed like a, uh, it seemed like something I couldn't do. I knew a lot of church planners, and I wasn't like them in a lot of ways. I, I, I didn't know if I had the faith necessary. I didn't know if I had the personalities or the gifts or the talents they had, and I don't even know if that's what it took to do anything like that. And I knew that I was not one of them. I wasn't even confident enough, if you will, to see myself stepping out like that. And we had practical questions like, how would we even raise the money? You know what I mean? Like every church fund I knew raised like tens of thousands of dollars before they ever started. I didn't know how to raise money, couldn't raise money. In fact, we didn't raise money. Started with nothing. And I had practical questions like that. And we're in this place where we sort of spun our wheels for a long period of time. And I know you can relate with this. When you're like, I want to believe God, yet I'm struggling with my unbelief. I want to believe God, you want to do something in my life, but I'm struggling that you want to do it with me because everything around me in my life tells me that it's not me. And you know what? It's not me. That's the great news in this story. But I struggle with my unbelief. And, but once we finally stepped out and once we finally said, okay, we looked around at our life and said, well, gosh, we, we can't deny what God's doing and what he's saying to us, so we got to do it. And, and, and we had to believe in, a, in this verse, in a verse like Ephesians 3.20. We had to. Because we didn't want to plant a church just like everybody else. And when I say that, I don't mean disparaging things about people who can't plant churches, but the typical way where you follow prescribed action plan and you kind of recruit and you kind of raise money and you do all these things that are sort of the way you're supposed to do it. We were like, we don't, we don't want to ask for those things. We want to ask for more. We want to ask for immeasurably on that. We want, to think, we want God to do this thing. And I remember even thinking, we, see, we don't want to recruit. Everybody and their dog recruits everybody they know and their dog. And some of them included their cats, which is crazy. And, you know, and we were just like, we don't even want to ask people to come be a part of this. Which, how do you start a church and not ask people to come be a part of it? This is what we ask God for. God, we do not like asking people to do things, which some of you are like, yeah, you do. <laughs> no, we really don't. We really don't. And I was like, I don't even want to ask people to come and be a part of this thing. God, you got to do this. If you're doing this, you got to do it. We didn't read it. So we didn't. We didn't ask anybody. I know this sounds really weird. And somebody like, I, we, sort, we had conversations, but you brought it up. I promise you. We never asked anybody. And that's like, now I'm saying, you need to ask people, though, okay? Just so you know. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding about that. But there was just like this, this realization that God... We're going to ask you something that sounds crazy. We don't, we don't feel like we can ask people, and I don't know why we feel that way, 
but we're asking if you'll do that for us. And time and time again, people will come up to us out of the blue and say, hey, I don't know why, Tim, but we're supposed to be a part of this church. I'm like, cool. We didn't even talk about it, but I love it. And time and time again, people started coming to us and telling their story of how God drew them to this place. Or maybe a conversation would come up and they're like, so tell us what you're doing, Tim. And we tell our story and they go, wow, yeah, we can, we're kind of feeling the same way. And I remember praying, we prayed this prayer that, God, would you, just, would you just draw people to this church that have a kindred spirit was the word that we use for some weird reason. I don't use the word kindred very often. But in this prayerful, very holy moment, kindred came out. But the kindred spirit that we would come together as a group of people united with the hope to bring glory to his church. Time and time again, people started coming and I remember Stephen Thorne coming to me and he said, hey, I just got offered a full-time job at another church to lead worship, but I don't think I should take it. I think I should come and go get another random job and make nothing and come leave for OKC Community Church. And we're like, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? (laughs) And time and time again, I remember Ryan Moore, Ryan Moore coming. He's the first person to say yes to this church, by the way. First person to say, I'm in without ever asking him if he's in. And the list goes on and on. Like, and I think about some of those early people and the people that are in our life, like, well, Leslie Cook and Judy Hatfield and Chris and Kelly Boyd and our parents and Courtney Moore and Jeremy and Brandy, Romain, Riley Cole, Mike Cox, Matt Bailey, Jeremy and Jamie Roper, Jared and Brianna Magnuson, who moved here from South Dakota. Another story. Caleb and Casey Kenny. These are just some of the first people in round one, and God continues to bring people, and I, I'm constantly hearing stories about, you know, I don't know why we're here, but we walked in, and we knew this is where we are supposed to be. And every one of those people that I mentioned, and some of you have a very specific story about how God has you here. And some of you came in the first few months, and some of you have come in the last few months, and You've joined us, and, and just the other night, we're having a small group with our group of friends, and we're sitting around a table, and I'm, again, we're not even, the, the question is, what are you thankful for? And people start talking about how God has brought them to this church, and they're thankful for it. And then friends like TJ and Sarah Brown talking about, we don't know how, it's all of a sudden God drew us there. Glenn Elizabeth Williams, people in our church that are just like, we just knew, God just brought us here, and I hear stories after story like this, and I'm going, God, I asked you, if you would do this, I didn't want to ask anybody. And he has not only done immeasurably more, we're smack dab in the middle of the story and it's still happening. Where people just keep coming up and saying, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to be here. I don't know what God's doing, but I walked in, I knew this is where I'm supposed to be. And every one of us like a kindred spirit where it's like God is drawing people that are a kindred spirit together to be a united church for his glory. And I'm just like, wow. Right? That's, that's a little bit of our story. But I'm sitting there going, if we would pray like this, if we would pray and we would ask God to do immeasurably more than we could even think of, all for his glory, not our glory, not what we want. Not, I'm not telling you, hey, you can believe God to do whatever you need. Whatever need you have, he's going to meet it. I don't know if he's going to meet all your needs because you know what? I don't know God's plans. I don't know his designs. I don't know his sovereignty. I don't know if every need you have whenever, because we don't even know how we define needs then, right? Let's get into that and we start everybody short, short-circuiting, right? 
I don't know if God will give you what you want or what you think you need, but what I do know, he will do immeasurably more than you ask or request in your wildest dreams if it's for the sake of his glory. I know that. Every example in my life and in the lives of people I've seen, every time they go after God for his sake and his glory, it starts blowing up and it starts going in places, not necessarily size, but sometimes it goes back to what, what Paul said earlier, right? The, the length and the depth and the height and the width of God's love, like it has no end. It just starts multiplying. And sometimes I'm thinking, if we could just pray like this, we'd start seeing neighborhoods change. We'd start seeing churches planted. Some of you are like, God would never call me to do that. That's what I said. <laughs> we'll start seeing nonprofits started. We'll start seeing businesses not just be good Christian businesses, but shining a light into the darkness and it would change a city. We'd start seeing salvations just pile up. We'd start seeing, you'd start seeing five, 10, 15 of your friends coming to know Jesus and you're like, how did I do that? Because you believed in something. You believed at the power that is at work within you. What does it say in Ephesians 3.20? Right there. According to his power that at work within us. Who's us? It's you. It's me. It's the person next to you. It's the person behind you and in front of you. That's power that it's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What if you asked God for Medjim Moore? I asked you, I asked you the question in the very beginning. Do you believe Ephesians 3 20 and 21? And everybody wants to say, yeah, yeah, I believe it. Does your life reflect it? That was part B. Too many of us have never seen God do the powerful th things through us because we've never asked him to. And we've never asked him to because we've struggled to believe that this verse is actually true for us. We disassociate it to be about God and it's about us with God. So what if you listen this morning to the Lord about that area in your life that you're like, God, I need to start asking you for immeasurably more for your glory. Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your workplace. I mean, you can fill in the blank. Maybe it's all the above, right? I, I don't know. But what if you listened, really listened this morning and say, Lord, what is, it, what is the thing I need to start asking? You know, parents, we need to start praying with our kids in a way that they understand we serve a God who can do anything. And so instead of just praying with our kids about the needs that they have and the things that we just want to get through the day with, but we need to start praying bigger, bolder, more faithful prayers with our kids because our kids are the next generation, right? And it's not just parents, but I mean, we can go on as a church. We need to start praying bigger and bolder prayers, believing that God can do far more than we imagine or guess or request or ask or whatever words you want to fill in the blank with. He can do more when it's for his glory and his sake. And so what is that area today? What if you listened right now to the Holy Spirit and you just said, Spirit, speak to me. Where do I need to ask and imagine for you to use me for your glory? that your power would work through me for the sake of your church, 
and for the sake of Jesus Christ. Maybe then we could start actually praying and we could start actually imagining about his glory instead of just ours. So, church, may we become people that not only ask and dream for God to do great things, but may we be a church that asks and dreams for God to do great things through us. And that's not for our glory or for our sake. It's his design. It's what he's set up the church to do. Are you with me? Let's pray together. We're going to worship our faces off this morning because we serve a good and great God. Lord, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus that as we take some time this morning to reflect on maybe an area that you want us to ask for immeasurably more for your glory, would you, would you, would you just pour out vision in our hearts right now? Would you give us vision and, and, and hope for something that, Lord, maybe we haven't seen before, that, Lord, we would, you would rise up uh, just an imagination that is that only comes from your supernatural kind of vision to see the world. If this morning, as we're all sitting here with our prayerful moment this morning, if you would say, yeah, God, uh, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. If you're, if you're like, oh, that's me. That is me. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. If that's you today, I'm going to be the first one to say, that's me today. And if you're saying, yeah, me too, would you just lift your hand and say, yeah, me too. I got my hand lifted. I believe, but help me with my unbelief, God. Holy Spirit, we need you to do a work in us that's beyond our imagination, that, Lord, we would go and be your, we would be your people for your sake, for your glory, that, Father, we quit trying to do things under our strength, but we would do them under your power for your sake and for your glory, that, Father, we wouldn't believe in the power of us, but we would believe in the power of you in us. And so, Father, I pray right now for everybody with their hands raised. Father, would we believe in a way that likes a step in faith, that, Lord, we know we are weak, but we are strong in you, Father. We are so strong in you, and that, Father, you have more for us than just the life of eking through and making money and doing things that bring us pleasure, but you have a life in store for us that's beyond imagination, one full of bringing you glory, one full of bringing your name praise, one full of seeing lives changed and cities transformed. Father, I pray that for our church. I pray that, Lord, we would not be, we would not be fearful to pray bold things, that we would, be, we would be courageous in the things we say and we ask and we pray for, that, Father, we would be your people that would believe in the power of you, that you are able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, Father that we would believe that, not just about you, but you would help us with our unbelief about us. Father, for your sake and for your glory, we pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen.